0: I have a question. Have you ever had, like, an offensive lineman do, like, a push press into a plyometric series? Like, something where they can easily shed the weight and jump? And go, yeah. Where it it's sort of like, hey, I got to get this, and now I have to scrape off or something of that nature? I,
1: I have not. I've had, I mean, wimp. We- What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Master of Sport podcast here with two-time world champion currently on his way to three-time world championship co-author of the year Earl Kunkel Earl how are you doing?
0: Howdy? I'm doing excellent i've uh at my job there's a moment in time where I have to be outside for a long while, and I wore a like a sweater, but like it's more like to dress inside sweater, yeah and I forgot to wear a coat. So I was like outside and it's like How thirty something. I don't know. I just said at least it's not windy and focused on the fact that it wasn't <laughs> that windy. It wasn't windy so I could But it wasn't sunny either. Oh no. It, it was definitely a PA gray type of day. <laughs> yeah. And it was cold. <laughs> yeah. So I kept my hands in my pockets to try to stay warm. Dude,
1: today was quite cold so much that Yaime was like, This is the coldest my hands have ever felt. Uh. She was literally going Lo siento. Los siento, <laughs> <laughs> apologizing to her. Head. It
0: must have been bad too on like the shot when that's all cold. Too. Oh yeah, that's yeah, brutal. Like it's just a thing. Oh, if you haven't already, like subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure um, you ring that notification bell. Do all that fun stuff and uh and comment. Yeah, comment. We
1: always love your comments.
0: Yeah. I don't think I read them. Dane definitely reads them. Dane is like obsessed with what y'all say. (laughs) Just so you know, if you want to like get under his skin, say something to him. Like he will definitely take it personal. I've tried to to take less offense to comments. Yeah, you can't. It's just like (laughs) they're just chipping away at like your sense of self in some way.
1: I I do. Yeah, well, that's yes, that's 100% accurate that I do take. I'm trying to do that less so, but I do take them personally.
0: Yeah, to a point. Don't, these aren't even people y- you like know to interact with. They're
1: like I wouldn't even know that, who they are if I met them. Yeah, in person. they're
0: like in a, a hyper cultural environment. Like yeah. anything can go anywhere. It's yeah. A, yeah.
1: Screen keyboard warriors. I, I try. I try not to judge myself for judging myself. Yeah,
0: don't. Uh, it's okay. You'll be fine. I promise. Oh, give us five stars on podcast apps if you're listening, whichever ones that may be. Absolutely. Or you can like give a one star and Dane can like just be totally crying.
1: <laughs> like he'll be pumping you. Yeah, like, like, yeah. yeah, like three in the morning while I'm taking a crap going, dude, what is this one yeah. star
0: review? Screenshot and everything. And it's just like, who cares? Like all press is good press. People love five stars and one stars. How did it get this bad of a rating? What went on there? That's true. Probably said something about or something like that. <laughs> Don't worry everyone, I'm just trolling Jason right now. He is shaking his head at me like a dad who just saw his son do something. Shouldn't have done. And he just told him about it like less than a minute ago. <laughs> He's almost laughing now, almost. We almost got a smile on his face. Yep, did it, did it. <laughs> got it from him. All right, let's talk about um, the athlete training day. Athlete training day. So this is a day
1: that you would become more of an
0: athlete? I think that's the idea behind it. My take on it, having done it, is it's almost exclusively plyometric based. I know that's not the case because reflexive strength movements do work their way in there. Yeah, yeah. And I also know there is speed work. But like when I was in parabolic periodization training, I wasn't an athlete that needed speed work and like for a field sport or anything like that like i was weightlifting i wasn't right you know but i know there's tons of athletes here who do field sports court sports racket sports who need like more, more speed. speed yeah um and that's not to say plyometrics don't develop speed don't develop impulse or reflexive strength doesn't develop impulse but or. on that spectrum yeah and the speed work with that and i know you even talked about using like agility ladders as like a contrast method. I don't know if you use those on athlete day
1: or what's ironic is that I started to play around with them more with weightlifters, mainly just to get the weightlifters thinking about moving their feet, like in ways that they never really do. You know, like I also the full disclosure stole this from quo uh, who's like basically top three best female weightlifters of all time. But she sort of does that to warm up. Okay, And even studying, even this past year at at, uh, World Championships, actually, I was watching, um, uh, last name's Mirabai from India, who beat Haley, actually, in the the total. She does something similar where she does, like, uh, speed ladders, and she will run, like, 10-meter sprints. But I do like to use them more so with weightlifters than with field sports, but we we do use them a bit with field sports, So would
0: you use that on, like, Haley's Athlete Day, then, for a weightlifter? Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. All right. Yeah.
0: Let's uh talk about this athlete day. Like, I what's the intention of it? first? Yeah, like
1: I, I think that's where like maybe a little bit of a background for me personally. I got extraordinarily strong in college, just like and strong in the sense of like absolute strength. Like, you know, I could hang high, hang power snatch really well. I could back squat low bar back squat really heavy. I could bench a ton of ton of weight, but I couldn't really move as a thrower. You know, I got really big, really heavy, but I was really, really strong. And I think that one of the things that made me a good thrower in high school is like, I was explosive. I was athletic. And I, and that was something that I've always had in the back of my mind is that I felt like I became the stereotype person who lifted too much, you know, like that stereotype that, Oh, they lift all the time. now they're not athletic. And I felt like I had fit that mold. You do.
0: So you (laughs) weren't lying to yourself. You like check all the meathead boxes. Correct.
1: And so one of the big things for me was how can I make sure that that doesn't happen to any of my athletes? How can we make sure that we have somebody who comes in and might get absurdly strong but still stays elastic? You know, that was the big goal. And so – we started to play around. I started to play around with what day would we put in plyometrics.
0: You don't want them to become a dried-up
1: Gumby like you were. Correct. E- exactly. A dried-up dried Gumby. Yeah. Yeah, a, like a flaccid, uh, a flaccid cartoon <laughs> caricature. <laughs> that would be... Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I like that word, flaccid.
1: <laughs> so I, I think that that was the main thing, like the main intentions, and it took a while to figure out where I could place it. And not have a negative impact on their on their following days, um, and also changing those following days to sort of piggyback off of the stimulus from the prior day, uh, and all you know that took a while to figure out where to put it inside of the week. But the main goal then was like, all right, how can I set this up? What's the best way to set up the entire day? And then how do we figure out what type of athlete? Has what type of problem? What are the tendencies more with field sports versus court sports versus, you know, someone who might be a swimmer versus someone who is a weightlifter and they're just doing the same, you know, close skill over and over again versus, uh, you know, a thrower who is extraordinarily explosive, but they really favor one side. And so we take all of those things and we break that down and then we can look at, all right. If I have a thrower, this is what I want to cater towards, and that's where some some reflexive stuff to their non-dominant side is is what we're okay.
0: Going. So that because reflexive work, I don't want to say tends to be, but almost is exclusively unilateral. Like you yeah. do have to do it to both sides because right. you end up in a more athletic position a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. not like you're bilateral. Like oh, let me land on two feet. Like right. Um, so that makes a lot of sense here and that like, hey, you know, you're always throwing with your right. You're always wiping your butt
1: with your right hand. Right. You know? it's like, actually doing things to the opposite side first. Yeah. And then that also helps them with their skill of learning because now they have to be a little more attentive to how they're executing that skill, that reflexive movement at a high speed to their non-dominant side that they're not used to doing. And then that helps them feel and, and have more attentiveness to their nervous system so then when they're doing their dominant side they have that, that better feeling. I
0: was gonna tell you to comb your hair with your non dominant hands but so they don't can, have hair. But you don't have hair. And then I was gonna tell you to brush your teeth. And I was like, Does Dane have teeth?
1: I have dude, I have six fake teeth in my mouth. Six. Six of them are How fake. How
0: much of a jerk did you have to be to get that many kicked <laughs> out?
1: I was a big jerk. I, no, I was like, save. I was like, I was actually more of the. Uh, I was going to um, tell you to
0: brush your teeth with your left hand or your right.
1: You're I, lefty, right? Yeah, but I can do either side. Oh, you're ambidextrous? Dude, the other day I was signing something left handed, and Lincoln's like, that's exactly how your handwriting. It was literally like we we're getting coffee, and I was like, watch, I'll sign this left handed. He's like, your handwriting looks the exact You same.
0: sign E statements, like your actual name. Yeah. I just make a, I'll scribble. Make a big squiggle. Sometimes. I will draw a, a mountain and a sun. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm feeling frisky,
1: so they actually let you go with it.
0: No one has called me yet when I've done it. That's pretty. And good. I've already drawn two circles. And like, it's, yeah. <laughs> and I even and I I like dotted it then too. <laughs> Nothing like I no one no one nah, responds. Try it sometimes. I'll, see,
1: I'll I'll definitely try that. See if you're you're willing to do it. So, to to go off of that, it's like. Thinking, thinking about things, especially with with a close skill, you, you know, going off of the thrower, it makes someone almost rewire the way they think through their processes. And when they do that, then they have to be more. It's it's one of the main reasons why learning a piano is absolutely phenomenal for for athletes, because it actually forces you to to think things. Disclaimer:
0: Sam is pretty proficient at playing yeah, Sam the piano is good. too. Yeah,
1: he is pretty good. Yeah, I don't know
0: how I know that. I think I saw that in a video once. Yeah, like, we oh, did. A, wow.
1: Dude, we did an old training vlog or a, a, like a Cribs episode with Sam <laughs> and he had a piano set up. But I think, you know, looking at it too, it's like, you know, then that, that, that athletes like throwers or, or weightlifters are going to favor one side over the other when they're doing a specific jump. So then it's like, all right, now let's do reflexive work to throw in some craziness with some load. But also if we do, you know, a single leg stair jump, they're going to feel, just like a basketball player who only jumps off of one side, they're going to feel a substantial difference. But that also can improve their game if we're talking about a basketball
0: player. I have a quick question. So you're talking about unilateral movements now. Unilateral movements just, by nature, almost double the volume. Yes, yeah. But they don't necessarily double where you think the work's doing. Like, I'll say single leg squat, for example, even though there's plenty of other unilateral movements. yeah, You think it's just the leg but the whole time you do the, the six reps and you do the six on the other your trunk is
1: getting destroyed yeah I, I think though yes and yeah and I think the way <laughs> to think about it too is like your heart rate has to be held for a very long period of time so there is it can be so how do you manage that though how do you manage
0: like the need for the unilateral within the volume and the sets and reps I dude i
1: I I'll match it I'll just keep pushing it Okay. And then, but then, what happens when we peak is that we'll take out more unilateral stuff. Okay. So it's it's like cutting the volume in half, and that's the same. And then and then you know that'll be the first thing to go would be the the unilateral volume when we're peaking, so that that drops out, and then the accessories that are unilateral will drop out, and then we'll go to the bilateral jumps and the bilateral accessories. Because
0: that's another thing too, and I know you haven't said it yet, but I know this: you like pairing bilateral jumps with, with unilateral, unilateral jumps, yeah. so it's like. It's yeah. essentially like three exercises of sorts. Basically, <laughs> yeah.
1: Actually, it's funny as Caitlin was doing single leg stair jumps and she was like, so I have to do three stair jumps on my left leg to the top, three stair jumps on my right leg to the top, and then do that five times. And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, that's really like I'm doing 30 jumps. Yeah.
0: that's a, like
1: 30 jumps total. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I'm
0: glad you're good at math. And
1: then, <laughs> she's like, so you don't want me to do 15. I'm like, no, if you did 15 on your one leg, then how are you what are you gonna do on the other leg <laughs> like are you gonna do seven on one and eight on the other so I, I think to answer your question, the main the main focus is as far as the volume is concerned, like did we just get that volume in and if someone does start to break down, then we'll see that on that following impulse day because we'll see, all right, their single leg squat that they're doing on broken, they're dying on one leg. Okay. Or, you know, they're, they're fast, they're fast power cleans or something. They look terrible. They're moving really, really slow, but do we can push people really, really well and really manage all that stuff within the system? I mean, even to the point where like, like Haley's back from worlds and it's like, dude, I'm trying something with her where we're doing heavy clean pulls into power cleans and, you know, we've done this a couple times in the past, but we're doing this right away now in this training block because I want to see how she responds to that volume and can I give her a little bit more volume on that next phase. And I know this isn't in regards to the athlete day, but even in her athlete day, she has more volume than normal. Okay, And it's like – that's one of the main ways to like get an athlete just a little bit better is to like slowly creep that volume up. You,
0: you have yet to talk about how athlete day always starts with PVC pipe walk. Okay, too. so that uh, the other thing <laughs> that I
1: would say is, no matter what, the best way to think about how to prepare. You know, we'll do a full warm up, a normal warm up, but then the best way to prepare for for an athletic movement or an athletic day, in my opinion, is to make the individual very unstable. Okay. So one of the things is you make them unstable. Now they have to use their feet a little bit more like their hands. They have to control that a little bit more. They have to have a little bit better neurological feedback from their feet. Then they have a little bit better awareness. Then their heart rate goes up a little bit quicker because they're on an unstable surface. So then their body responds by raising their heart rate, which then in turn raises their, their body temperature quicker. And so what we're doing now is one doing that and we'll have You know races with pvc pipes we'll have races forward backwards you know doing things but then now we're adding in doing zercher carries overhead carries with the hydro weight while we're on the pvc oh which is throwing in stability in the trunk and stability in the shoulders
0: you i remember the plate you used to have the plate over yeah the hydro weight sounds way worse
1: yeah the hydro weight and haley has one where we'll do a pvc pipe with a band around her waist and she has to go away and hold the ba- hold the hydro weight while she's banded and resist it pulling back in and go back out and that's where things like can get really challenging but that's you know we'll do five six sets of that and then that leads into typically the first two plyometrics the first unilaterals and the first bi- bilateral are going to be like moderate intensity the second two is where the super yeah, intense you, work
0: you jump it up is
1: going to get really, really done, done well. The third one might just be one of those at a lower degree. And then if we have a specific, you know, then we might work on like skilled strength. Like okay. skilled strength in the sense that for their sport, we're doing something very, very specific to that will directly carry over because now their nervous system's wired, everything's firing on all cylinders, they're ready to accomplish something you know, mentally they're, they're all wired up and they're ready to go. So that's when... when so you're
0: it's... talking about being like potentiated for that exercise. How does the athlete day then potentiate for the next day?
1: So the, the thing that we have to be careful of is that there can be a lot of fatigue from the amount of uh, load and intensity that happens from doing various plyometrics. So what I want to see, and, and I'd want to see really more research on this is that historically speaking, people would say, "Well, when you do plyometrics, you should rest for three to four days before you do something else." And this is all based off of pretty much one study, one study of intermediate level athletes that, to me, wasn't that great. Okay, so what we do is the following day. To me, if if we know, and this is all theoretical, if we know mechano growth factor is elevated, which is a is a hormone that is released to help with your muscle protein synthesis for over 72 hours. I think that also plays a major factor in keeping your nervous system wired for that time frame. I think if we can get into the gym within another 24 hours after plyometric day and we're focusing on a lower intensity weight, so like with, when we're doing impulse day, we might do 70 to 75% power cleans or hand cleans or hang snatches uh, and we're doing them very rapid. But because they're still in a sense, recovering or, or feeling pretty powerful from the previous day, there's a lag, there's a layover that helps them maintain that higher intensity. Even to the – and, and you know, I have – we have to do research on this, but this is something where we've even seen, like, Eric come in or Lucas. Lucas is another one, who, and this is surprising because Lucas is a very normal athlete. He's as NPP as they come. When when they've come in on like impulse day Is that normal people problems? uh normal nor, uh, normal player person normal person player. Okay. Which to me is like the average the absolute average player that you have. Wow. Lucas will come in after a plyometric day and he might he's PR'd his power snatches the next day at like one forty five K. Same with Eric. Like the next morning, you know, twenty four hours max hours later. He's coming in even after all those plyometrics, even after they'll have competitions doing depth drop to bounds and they'll come in and stroke, you know, 180 power cleans at very high intensity or at very high speed. So it's like, but then there are some weeks where they might be very fatigued that next day. And And then you just back. Yeah. Then you just back off. And it's just, it's just figuring out when that is, when that isn't. And that's when that plays into when you're going to be peaking.
0: that one last thing with athlete day, your jump series. Yeah, you got to talk about the jump series stuff. How you like the creative aspect behind those and like what goes into it. Like single leg over a mini yeah, hurdle yeah, lateral yeah. land on two feet hurdle hop.
1: All yeah. right.
0: Now jump on a box like or... I
1: I think the one of my I guess one of my fortes as a coach is sort of thinking through I want to say twitch force like the 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 amount of power output or the amount of like actual twitchiness that someone has to have when they're in a specific angle. So I always like to think if I'm a linebacker, what do I have to feel if I'm going to my left? So let's say we're scraping to my left and then I've got a plant and cut back on an angle, 45 degree angle really, really quickly What does that feel like for that linebacker to be able to make that cut, get out of it in a low position with their hip levels low so they can also shed a blocker at the same time and make make a play? So when I visualize that and when I think through it, I might say, all right, let's go one, two, three, easy hurdle hop, mini hurdles, plant hard, and then they have to do a big side jump, land on two legs and jump forward. So the creative side really goes back to what's the sport that they're in, What's the sport that we need to, how do we transfer this as well as we possibly can with reflexive work, with jump series? And where might we see somebody, you know, using that linebacker example, linebackers might have, they might be scraping one way, they scrape back, and then they backpedal and they have to jump. And so we have to do things like that, one, in training to help them be more explosive, but two, so it transfers really well and they're, they're trained for it. They're trained as they would ever be. Think about a fighter. It's the same thing when we're training a fighter. They've got to do a whole wild series, and it might not be as long or a wrestler. It's not going to be as long as a traditional scramble, but they still need to do something like a chaos single leg hop. Then they release that back single leg, and then they go into you know single leg mini hurdle hop because that that's part of their sport.
0: I have a question. Have you ever had like an offensive lineman do like a push press into a plyometric series? Like something where they can easily shed the weight and jump and go, yeah. Where it it's sorta of like, hey, I gotta get this and now I have to scrape off or something of that nature. I,
1: I have not. I've had I mean Wimp. We, <laughs> in the past, Jan has done uh on his hypertrophy day. I would let him do push presses and socks and then go into like uh, PVC pipe walks, but not, that's a good idea. Thank that's you. Ex- yeah. That's actually good too. Even for linebackers because they also have to shed.
0: Yeah. Wow. I'm glad I can help out. Is... <laughs> Did I tell you before we go into the audience questions? And make sure you uh, join our Discord and our subreddit. And yeah, all the that.
1: Discord. Make sure you comment in there and yeah. really just feed into that great community that we're building. Yeah. Wow. Community building.
0: Build community. We did that this past Friday. That yeah, was that, was, that was that was fun. was fun. That was a lot of fun. I forget what I was going to say. It doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs>
1: What's what's the, what's the uh, community uh,
0: questions? Hillshire Farm from Discord. Does Dane still notice any residual symptoms from his Lyme disease? Ooh, that's does he a good do one. anything for it or just focus on
1: healthy lifestyle, sleep and diet? Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting because I think that there's sometimes I feel like you know they they have like a I don't know what you would call it, like a, a, ter- a meta- phantom
0: Lyme disease. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like um, I don't know. I was thinking of like where you think
1: you have. It, it's basically it's- like a reinfection. Like okay. if you're so, a lot of doctors believe that if you've had substantial infection from Lyme, that if you get under a lot of stress or if you're sick or anything like that, the the symptoms and whatnot can can arise again. Would it be called admission instead of remission? I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, and I've had like days, like here and there, not lately, but in the past, when I was heavier, that I would definitely feel like brain foggy. Oh, you're um, at your
0: 10k weight now, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so I think now no, I'm not as fat. So I think I. I don't think I have outside of my joint issue. I don't think so. Um yeah, here that's in, why you don't lock out your bench, right? You're that's like- or my military presses or my pull-ups. <laughs> but uh in my and my power stretches. But I think as far as the lime is concerned, I've, you know, residual issues. I've had hormonal residual residual issues, but that's it.
0: I don't want to make a joke about that. <laughs> yeah. I have one here. Yeah.
1: Well, we have to save it.
0: Um, I don't know. I may get eyeballs from the man on the.
1: Uh,
0: uh <laughs> oh, he's telling me to go for it. Well, though, no, this it, when, when you're talking about hormonal issues, is that like an ED issue thing? Going oh, there? I, I knew you were going to do something <laughs> like that.
1: No, but in the past, it's been like, like that's actually what in the past has caused me the most issues. I'll say this would I he's f- sensitive,
0: everyone you not, see his face, he's pissed. Not <laughs> around Ed.
1: When I when I first got Lyme, the reason why I figured out what was going on, or I didn't figure it out, but I knew something was up. I would have like vertigo and get super super dizzy, and that's like one of the very few things that happens every once in a while. I'll get dizzy, and my my progesterone and estrogen used to be through the roof when I first got diagnosed with Lyme. Um, and so here and there it happens occasionally, but I can sort of control the way I feel before I used to not be able to control. And I'd have this downward spiral, like a full blown anxiety attack. Almost what I had when, uh, uh, when we were at the tool show, but this was more so caused by like, I had it a little bit there, but it was more because of the Heights less because I would, I felt actually dizzy.
0: Okay. Yeah. You almost had to sit down and scoot down the steps backwards. (laughs)
1: literally that yeah see and dude it i doesn't was, feel as bad
0: though like afterwards it was like
1: oh that wasn't like that was for me like i've always been a little off but dude i will say this since i got lyme disease that shit it just pushed you off real <laughs> off all right reddit joey Joe, I
0: one, two, three, one. I know there's a peak strength video about rowing, but every source I see about strength training for rowing crew says that deadlifts are good. I prefer Ollie lifting and it makes more sense to train logically, but what do you think? Should I incorporate both?
1: I would do, I would do, if you're going to deadlift, do snatch grip deadlifts, um, or do clean grip deadlifts on a podium, but I would actually do like a snatch grip high pull. It's a longer pull. It's from a, longer range of motion and it's going to get your back extraordinarily strong and you have a long push so like deadlifts aren't bad for you just think there's better variation yeah there's the better variations that are more explosive that'll give you better power output and that's what you're looking for in the boat
0: yeah well couldn't you do the deadlift then as the like strength
1: strength the absolute movement, yeah. strength movement and do yeah. those
0: other ones as the technical coordination or would yeah. you just snatch and clean and jerk i anyway? still
1: would just do okay so, yeah I don't th- think it's bad, but I think the other thing is I've talked to Eric Miller about this who trains a lot of rowers, and he was like problem he sees is their posture. When they start to deadlift a lot, they lose a lot of posture, and then their lower back fatigues quicker. Okay. So that's like the one negative side behind the deadlift.
0: Got it. So, all right. That's all we got. Sign up for the Peak Strength app. Sign Speaking up for Peak
1: th- Strength. Make sure you go check out our Discord. Until next time, guys. Peace!
0: Wait, they were supposed to buy other stuff.
1: Oh, buy it? Buy other things. (laughs) Yeah, garage strength
0: equipment. Get it. Single leg rollers. See ya. Later.